everybody. Welcome to another episode of Woe is Media. This is our 19th episode. So getting on up there, thank you for listening. If you've been with us since the beginning, if you're new here, welcome. You got Alyssa and you got Annabelle here to talk about what happened in the world of news and entertainment this week. So if you celebrate the 4th of July, we hope you had a wonderful time. If you do not, we hope you were able to get a long weekend. If you were not so fortunate, as uh, my co-host here was unfortunately not able to take a day, an extra day off because she's in the news and the news never sleeps. Um, <laughs> Even though it was the slowest news day in the world and I could have had the day off. Anyways. Yeah, no, for real. I got a CNN notification that was like, how Southern diets could kill you. And I'm like, this isn't news. Everyone <laughs> knows this. We're still going to eat fried chicken. This is at a t- Today is National Fried Chicken Day, fun fact. Is it? Okay, I know what I'm getting for dinner. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got a great episode for y'all this week. Um, Alyssa, what have you got for us? Today, I have a, I guess you could call it like trailer reaction to a highly anticipated follow-up to a big time TV show of the mid-2000s. And I have another thing about television because that's all I do with my spare time and it involves a pop star well pop music star let's say and his quest to make a show about music and cults music and cults we'll get into it don't you worry Annabelle what are you talking about today Lisa knows I like a good cult story I know right so that'll that'll be fun to talk about So my first story is about um, how there has been some pretty exciting rule changes in the NCAA and what it means for athletes and what they can earn. And I know this is not technically a normal business story, but it covers the business side of sports, which we haven't really talked much about on this podcast, um, but sports are a big part of my life. And, you know, this is my show along with Alyssa. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, so I got that. And then my second story is about, uh, Jewel and the big settlement that they're having with the state of North Carolina, because they've gotten so many people addicted to vaping and what it means for Jewel going forward and kind of the tobacco industry as a whole. So. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Minus the tobacco addiction. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I I sent my, like, food delivery runner to pick me up like the biggest thing of peanut butter there is because fun fact I love me some peanut butter and she just said they're out of the biggest one so I'm like low-key depressed now get two of the smaller ones oh that's oh you're brilliant why are you like this oh my gosh what I'm here for okay Annabelle please or wait, no, I'm starting. I'm sorry. I'm so frazzled about my peanut butter. It's okay, babe. You go and get your peanut butter. Okay. So my first story of this week is the official first trailer for The Many Saints of Newark dropped. Annabelle, are you familiar? The Many Saints of Newark? Yes. No, I'm not familiar at all. You have no idea what this could be about. The Saints of Newark? <laughs> i've only been in the newark airport i'm not super familiar with uh, the city but wow well i'm not really gonna give you a tour but <laughs> here we go so the many saints of newark 
is the highly anticipated prequel film that will be releasing this fall to The Sopranos. Oh, okay. That's exciting. I didn't know they were related. Yep. Well, Newark, Sopranos, Jersey. Anyway, have you ever watched The Sopranos? It's on my list. I have not watched it yet. Ah! We're going to have a talking to after this. Oh. I like the idea of like mob crime shows. I've just yet to indulge. So well, I'll, you, I'll get there. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Godfather. So yes. as we watched it together in college, we did. And I screamed the entire time because I was like, look at the symbolism. Look at the oranges. oranges. Do you know what that means? <laughs> I remember. Exactly. So the many saints of New York is New York. Newark, not Newark. Newark. Dan Joyce, they're not Newark. <laughs> Many Saints of Newark is set during the 1967 Newark riots, which, fun fact, not so fun fact, actually, interesting fact, was a five-day event that was spurred by two white police officers beating and arresting a black taxi cab driver. Not to take away from the severity of it, but, like, are we shocked? No, not really, considering actually the Newark riots was just one of hundreds of riots that took place across the country during the summer of 1967, I believe, that I read Mm -hmm. about. These riots resulted in 26 deaths, 727 reported injuries, and approximately 1,465 arrests. Jeez, they had some full cells. You know casual so obviously the main um not obviously if you've never watched the sopranos but uh the majority of the tension that's going to be portrayed in this film are between the black and italian communities okay and are you familiar with james gandolfini the guy who played tony soprano Mm -hmm. okay so you know he's no longer with us correct yes Guess who's playing the younger version of him in this movie? I'm guessing it's not another Italian guy. Or it is. It is. I don't know if I can think of any Italian actors off the top of my head. Who is it? It's his son. Oh, cool. Okay. That's awesome. No lie. I like when... Um, I was watching the trailer, like, I got, like, choked up, because I was like, oh, he looks just like his father. Oh, my God. Wow, so his, his name is Michael, and he's obviously going to be playing a young Tony Soprano. Nice. And the premise is as follows. It's very vague so far, because we've only just gotten, like, the teaser trailer, because the movie doesn't come out until October. But mm-hmm. premise is as follows. Young Anthony Soprano is growing up in one of the most tumultuous eras of Newark's history, becoming a man just as rival gangsters begin to rise up and challenge the all-powerful DeMeo crime family's hold over the increasingly race-torn city. Caught up in the changing times is the uncle he idolizes, Dickie Moltisanti, who struggles to manage both his professional and personal responsibilities, and whose influence over his nephew will help make the impressionable teenager into the all-powerful mob boss we'll later come to know, Tony Soprano. Soprano. That was a very dramatic reading. Thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I I... 
I obviously I've watched The Sopranos, but it's been a while, and I'm thinking about doing a rewatch before this movie comes out, just because like I had such an emotional reaction to this trailer that mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I have to go back. So it is written and produced by The Sopranos creator David Chase, and it's directed by the series alum Alan Ta- Taylor, whose credits also include Lost, The West Wing, mm-hmm. Sex in the City, Woo! Game of Thrones. Wow. And Mad Men, among others. But, what a resume. I know, right? Good for awesome. him. He's killing it out here. The cast also includes Leslie Odom Jr. Nice. Ray Liotta. Okay. Which I don't know how many other gangster movies you've seen, but Ray Liotta is like a, a, a an institution in mob movies. Like he starred in Goodfellas. Have you ever seen Goodfellas? I have not. He's fantastic in that movie. That's the one that starts uh, out like, as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not as good as The Godfather, but it's it's good. Vera Farmiga. Are you okay. familiar? <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I know you're not a horror movie fan, but you know about the Conjuring movies, right? Mm-hmm. I watch horror movies with other people. I just can't do it by myself. So you've seen the Conjuring movies. No, not yet. <laughs> Again, on my list. I Next gave time you a town. We will watch the Conjuring movies. She's the main lady in the Conjuring movies. She yeah. was also, she's been in a lot of stuff. I'm a big fan of hers. She used to be in this um, show called Bates Motel, which mm-hmm. was kind of like a prequel series to Psycho. Psycho. But at the same time, I watched like the first two seasons of it and then I lost interest because the timeline just didn't make sense. Like Psycho takes place in the 60s. So obviously Bates Motel should be taking place in the 60s or 50s, right? Mm-hmm. No, it takes place in modern time with cell phones and like modern cars. But at the same time, they all dress like it's the 60s. It's weird. Like it just confused the heck out of me okay that's weird yeah and like it's kind of like sex education where that show is very heavily influenced by like the 80s and 90s and that's how the characters dress but at the same time sex education is an original work it's not something that's based on something else so that i give it you know i'm like okay sex education gets away with it yeah okay sorry and john bernthal is the last name that i have uh attached to this here production nice do you know who he is name rings a bell but i'm having trouble visualizing his face all good so i wasn't very familiar with him until i looked up his imdp credits he is most famous for playing shane on the walking dead ah yes that is not a show i would ever watch because that would scare me so i'm not gonna watch he was also in He was also in uh, Daredevil, The Wolf of Wall Street, Baby Driver, Ford vs. Ferrari. Like, a good a good resume. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't recognize him at first. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who are not familiar with the baseline um, content for The Many Saints of New York, The Sopranos ran on HBO for six seasons from 1999 to 2007, starring James Gandolfini, Lorraine Bracco, and Edie Falco. I love that woman. That mm-hmm. a genius. And I don't know if you know this, Annabelle, and I'm, I promise I'm not spoiling. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to spoil anything for you, but the Sopranos is probably most well known for its series finale. 
Right. Do you know anything about the series finale? I don't, but I know it like really kind of changed television in a lot of ways. It's it's weird because <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anything about the plot of the finale, except the show ends with, and when I say this, I don't want this to discourage anyone that's listening to go and check out the series because the series as a whole is fantastic. And don't let a finale take away from the viewing experience that is episodes one through however many before the, the finale <laughs> well I said it. well well game of thrones whole last season was shit this actually was good up until the very last episode i disagree i enjoyed it through where Arya stabbed the night king spoiler alert sorry and after that it went downhill so i, I enjoyed the first half and the second half it yeah went downhill I pretty much hated the entire last season. Well, that's because you had no context. You just showed up in season eight. And we were all watching it in our apartment. Don't drag like, me like this. Sucks. Where's Daenerys? <laughs> where's my Where's my wife, Gwendolyn Christie? <laughs> Brienne of Tarth. Also, they did her dirty, which is why I'm still upset. They did. Anyways. They did. I will. I will fully no but even even after i went back and watched the other seasons of game of thrones i was like this is this pales in comparison to the rest of the show you didn't like the earlier seasons no i'm saying the earlier seasons were better than the very last season oh yeah no but that's what i'm saying is like i think despite the finale and you know the last couple episodes not being so great you still have seven seasons of really solid television that's fair okay so going back to the sprana got a lot of tangents here today sorry guys yes we we have a lot of feelings about peanut butter and game of thrones and fried chicken mm-hmm. um but anyways so the very last scene of the television show uh tony soprano and his family are sitting in a diner and you you expect something's about to happen because there's a lot of cutaway scenes and like the tensions are high. Like even them sitting at the diner table, it's like, oh, what's going to happen? And they put on journeys, don't stop believing in the background. So it's playing and, you know, every everything seems really tense. And then the door to the diner opens right when it gets to don't stop. And that's the series finale. So we don't know who walked into the diner? No, you just see Tony look up and that's it. Hmm. Okay, interesting. And the David Chase, the creator of the show, he said it's open to interpretation, but he has never given a definitive answer as to what happens. Like he's like, everybody lives, everybody dies. Half people die, half people live. You can believe what you want, but he has never said outright, who walked behind the door and if Tony did in fact survive. Hmm. Okay. I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. So that's pretty much all I have for the many saints of New York. It is available, I believe, um, in theaters as well as on HBO max for a one month simultaneous release on October 1st. So if you're interested, go check it out. I think I will have to take a look at the Sopranos. It sounds kind of interesting. And six seasons is like fairly doable. It is. In terms of binging. So and, and like, I do need a show. So even 
even to this day, like James Gandolfini, God rest his soul, he passed away about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And his performance as Tony Soprano is one of the best performances you will ever see in television history. Like he is so good at what he does. And he was also, um, before he got cast in the Sopranos, he was a Broadway guy for a very long time. And you can tell because it kind of blends over into how he acts in this show. And I just, I, I adore this man. Like I know he's playing like a cold, hard mob boss, but like, I, I love me some James Gandolfini. Good. Yes. Well, may he rest in peace. That's all you got for us on the Saints of Newark. Yay. Yes. All right. So my first story is called Ballin' and Hollin' Cash. Oh, doesn't completely rhyme. The first part rhymes. So we're counting it. Um, So the NCAA has ruled with a temporary policy that college athletes in all three divisions. I don't totally know why they had to specify that, because if we're being honest, Division one athletes are probably the only people who are going to be affected by this. <laughs> but nonetheless, college athletes in all three divisions can get paid for the use of their name, image, and likeness. So in legal settings, this name, image, and likeness, it's always used kind of together. And it's shortened with the acronym NIL. So if you hear me talking about NIL laws or NIL policy, that's what I'm referring to is being able to profit off of your name or your image, or your likeness. Um, Yes. The policy went into effect July 1st and will last until there is either federal legislation that is adopted, because right now everything's just kind of happening at the state level. Different states have their own policies about what athletes who go to school in their state can do in terms of like profiting off of it. Um, So until there's a federal legislation that's adopted, or if the NCAA develops a more permanent set of rules, then for now, it's only temporary. Um, I have a feeling this is like a little bit of a trial period. And this kind of coincided with a lot, or I shouldn't say a lot. It's about seven states who enacted nil laws um, to allow athletes to profit off of name, image, and likeness. So the NCAA kind of wanted to give some guidance to everyone else who wasn't in those seven states and didn't necessarily want to be seen as like behind the eight ball, so to speak. So this will allow college athletes to make money off of autograph signings, endorsements, personal appearances, stuff like that. So that is potentially a really big source of revenue for these athletes, depending on, you know, how big they are and what kind of deals they can get. I think depending on who the athlete is, you're going to see, you know, some probably athlete branded merch that's going to be out on the market. You'll probably see these athletes hopefully making money off of their likeness and image in um, potentially like NCAA video games, like college basketball and stuff like that. So we will see. Um, as of right now, 20 states have passed no legislation and seven went into effect on Thursday, July 1st. So that's again why the NCAA decided to act now on this. Um, so the NCAA Division One Council voted to recommend that the division board adopt this new interim policy. So more guidance to those seven states and then the other 43 states who are not having laws that were currently enacted. So, and this comes about a week after the Supreme Court unanimously voted against the NCAA saying that they cannot limit education related benefits for students. Um, Justice Brett Kavanaugh said that 
the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. So it's a pretty bold statement saying that the NCAA has essentially scammed athletes out of potential money that they could have earned. Um, they have. Yeah, which they absolutely have. Um, and regardless of what your opinion is on this, whether or not you think universities should be paying athletes or not, I've personally always been a big proponent of the idea that you should be able to profit off of your name, image, and likeness because at the end of the day, all you have is your identity, which is obviously your name, image, and likeness. So in my opinion, there's no reason not to allow athletes to profit off of that. Um, in years past, a lot of the money that's been generated in college sports, because especially in the big two of football and basketball, that has just brought in billions of dollars to universities across the nation. And the money has just been kind of pumped back into the coaches' pockets, which don't get me wrong, the coaches are under a lot of pressure and do deserve to be paid well for program success. However, they're not ultimately the ones out there on the field or on the court grinding it out. So a lot of the money's also been pumped back into the university to enhance facilities and training programs and recruiting efforts and stuff like that to try and get more, you know, elite athletes to come to their school for their programs. So this will be the first time that the athletes will directly see any of it instead of like just getting a scholarship or something like that. So what this policy means for athletes is that now college athletes can hire an agent or an attorney to assist them kind of with like their branding or negotiating deals or stuff like that. But the agent cannot negotiate any opportunities with pro sports teams. So they can't be talking to NBA teams or NFL teams or, you know, overseas teams, anything like that. Um, as long as the athlete is in college and is not, you know, declared for a draft. Schools have a right to establish a policy for what kind of deals are and are not permitted based on school values or existing school sponsorships. So this gives a little bit more power to the university. So for example, sports are maybe not something that people associate with unhealthy habits like smoking. So I highly doubt you would see college athletes endorsing like Marlboro, Marlboro cigarettes. Um, <laughs> that just is not a natural pairing. I kind of doubt athletes are able to smoke anyway, just to keep their cardio levels up. But that would be an example. Or if, for example, University of Georgia, where Alyssa and I went to go dogs, um, the official bank of the SEC, I believe is Regions Bank. So I kind of doubt you would have SEC athletes promoting really any other bank that would be in direct competition with regions. Um, that's just a guess there, but I think that would be another example of like what athletes aren't allowed to do. So yeah, they are allowed to get money for autograph signings so long as the signing event is not sponsored or promoted by the school and no institutional marks can be used, which I thought was interesting. So I guess you can't have like I'm trying to think of popular college athletes right now. Do you know of any? No. <laughs> I feel like I haven't watched college football or college basketball in a long time. But let's say, you know, if this were enacted back in the day, let's say Todd Gurley wanted to do an autograph signing. He Don't couldn't... talk about it. Okay. Let's say an unnamed football player who's a running back at UGA wanted to have an autograph signing he could not sit down at a table with a big banner of the Georgia G and the arch behind him 
basically so basically they couldn't do like the signings that I used to work when I was in school. Well, I guess they could, but they couldn't profit off of it. Okay, I got you. If they were, you know, still currently in college, obviously, if people have turned pro and come back to do that, they can, you can do whatever. Yeah, you can do whatever you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you because literally when I was following this stuff in the news this past week, all I could think about was all the hell that Todd Gurley caught in yeah 2014 for right. like accepting money for like autographs and stuff and i wanted to be like give him a formal apology i know seriously the, the apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect <laughs> honestly honestly well it's funny you mentioned that because getting into it um there are obviously going to be variations of the use of nil laws based on what's going on at the state level mm-hmm. um so my home state of Georgia, for example, they have a provision where schools can create a fund where players can contribute any earnings that they've made from nil to benefit previously enrolled players at the same school. So I don't know if they would do this for Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's already in the pros and making plenty of money on the Falcons. But yeah. if there were previous players who did the same thing as him and were not able to profit off of it and got in trouble, they could potentially you know, get some get some payment that way um mm-hmm. I don't know however if this is voluntary because I can't imagine a lot of players have put money in here that they've worked hard to earn but um, yeah. I guess it's an option so there's that um one thing that's a slight negative about this is there's no fairness provisions for athletes that are in non-revenue generating sports so we know football and basketball obviously get a lot of attention depending on the school you're at um like gymnastics is pretty big at UGA and in a couple of other SEC schools. Um, Go some other sports. What'd you say? Go gym dogs. Go gym dogs. Yeah, that's right. They beat Alabama, which is not something our football team. Yay! So Ooh, we love them. They are awesome ladies. Um, but yeah, some sports, maybe like swimming or golf, cross country, things that are not quite as like covered in the media, though those athletes are just as deserving there's no fairness provisions for how they're going to make money. I guess it's kind of up to them. The source, when I was reading this, it was like, are there any policies for how athletes in non-revenue generating sports can get money? And the answer was no. Welcome to the free market. <laughs> you know who else deserves money at UGA? The equestrian team. Cause they yeah, bust they, their booties. And yeah, they work quite taller. hard. They have a lot of uh, natties. So yeah, yes, they do. I agree with you. More yeah, than the football team does. Yeah. The swim team as well, um, they're oh, yeah. women especially, and they've produced a lot of Olympians from that program. I was um, about to say, hey, Chase Kellis. Chase Kellis, yeah, he's going to be Oh, I said his name wrong, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I only Chase know fan. that because I met him. That's my flex. Chase Kellis, we love you. We love the dog. I follow his dog on Instagram. Floyd, he's cute. <laughs> he's got a cute little bulldog. <laughs> So yeah, Alyssa, what are your opinions on this? Do you like this policy? Do you not like it? What are your concerns? I'm totally for it because I've I've always felt icky about the entire situation of college athletes being, you know, giving their all in something that they're passionate about, but not being able to see any monetary gain from it while all these like old rich white men make money off of them, especially for athletes of color. It just makes me very uncomfortable. And I'm excited that you're finally going to see like some monetary gain. And I know 
I know that some people will like argue like, oh, but they get a free education and it's like, okay, yeah, which is really nice. But at the same time, like some of the money that they could be making could far exceed some of these like tuition costs for each year. I don't know. I'm not a money person. Annabelle knows this, but like it just, I don't think that's a fair enough argument to be made in this situation. Yeah. Well, I completely agree with you. I, I think that, like you said, it's, I don't know. It's just being an athlete. I would imagine I'm not an athlete. It's a tricky <laughs> thing on a rec level. Not Tennis on player level. extraordinaire. Oh, thank you. Um, but anyway, I would, there's just such a short window for athletes for when they can capitalize on their talents when their body is at peak performance and when kind of the stars come to line a little bit with what they can do. Say it louder. I am all for them able to make money off of it while they can. And there are a lot of times where maybe there was a great athlete who had big professional prospects and then they got injured and that like severely hurt their chances. And that sucks. It doesn't mean they're any less of an athlete, but they weren't able to make any sort of income before the injury and they are not going to be able to make nearly as much of any after the injury. Mm -hmm. So that sucks. And that's no one's fault, but it's, you know, it's not fair. So I'm glad that this will help athletes be able to capitalize earlier on their talents and what they bring to the table. My only, I guess, negative with this is the fact that it'll be a lot of money and a lot of attention going toward kind of the elite athletes, especially in football and basketball. And while that's obviously not necessarily fair to other athletes, the people who are going to get the money from these endorsements, now that this is legal, were people who are going to go pro pretty quickly anyway, and we're going to get big signing bonuses. So I think it's just more money for them early and more of a marketing opportunity for them. My hope is that athletes who are in athletes who are in less revenue generating sports, I would imagine, do the sport not for money, not for fame, because they love it. And I'm sure football and basketball players do the same thing. I'm not saying they're in it just for fame or money. However, someone who joins the cross country team at a university knows that they're not necessarily there to like make a big payday. They're there to run because that's what they love. Yes. So my hope is that they would be able to make money off of um you know, maybe more niche partnerships like running stores or, you know, Speedo USA, like that kind of thing for swimmers. So things like that. And hopefully local businesses would be supportive of the university in their town and, you know, maybe sponsor some athletes who are not getting the coverage that some other big athletes are. People are kind of trying to speculate what Zion Williamson would have earned if this Mm. had been legal when he were at Duke. Um, So I think he could have potentially made a killing because everyone knew he would have been the first round draft and he already got so much media attention. I mean, when Duke was in the March Madness tournament, there was a a literal Zion camera. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. That seemed a little overkill to me, but um, but yeah, so it's exciting. We hope athletes are able to get to what they deserve. Um, And yeah, that's all I got for this story. Also, um, 
quick homework for anyone who's interested in like more about this. If any of you have seen the movie Foxcatcher, that really does a great job of explaining like what exactly it means to be an Olympian and how that doesn't always equal like money and success. Mm -hmm. Like the opening scene of that movie is literally like, a, I believe a two-time Olympian going to speak in an elementary school because he needs the money so bad. Yeah. And it's just like, just because you are putting your all into like this athletic competition does not mean that you are going to be monetarily compensated in the future because right. yes, you may get brand deals, but you know, not everyone is like a Simone Biles. Yeah. Like, and I know she's like the best of the best, but at the same time, there are many athletes that are on her level in different sports that are not receiving as much attention. Like Annabelle mentioned with like Zion. So if you're interested in learning more about that, that's a good little um, movie that talks about like pro athletes and their struggles following like world championships and uh, Olympics. Anyway. Price of Gold is another good one. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful mm -hmm. movie. So more resources if you're interested. Before we move on to our next story, I would just like to say that I'm really upset because I specifically told my runner to get me peanut butter M&Ms and she got me peanut. There she. Well, did you get actual peanut butter? Could you dip yes. them in the peanut mm -hmm. butter? Yeah, she got the big one too. I was like, okay. So I still tipped her well, but I'm just like, oh, what a peanut butter. I don't, I guess I have trust issues and I don't want other people to grocery shop for me. I like to go myself. I just was so hungry for a snack that, and I knew we were doing this today. So I was like, someone else can do it right now. Okay. So my next story, Annabelle, we're going to talk about one of our favorite people on this podcast. Is it J-Pow? It's not. <laughs> yes. J-Pow has signed a multi-million dollar contract with Warner Brothers. Um, no, it's the weekend. Ooh, we do like the weekend here. He is developing a series with HBO as the star, producer, and co-writer. And it's going to be called The Idol. Okay. So not much has come out about this, but I just saw this um, story and I just I I had to look more into it. So basically, the 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 baseline premise of the idol so far that we know of is a female pop singer starts a romance with an LA nightclub owner who turns out to be a cult leader. Ooh, is he gonna play the cult leader the weekend? You read my mind. No word yet on what character Abel will be playing. I wrote down Abel. <laughs> But I just love this idea because historically speaking, entertainment has been heavily linked to many cults in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a really fun, not fun because like cults are scary and dangerous. Um, but I think it's a really fun idea from a viewer's perspective. Yeah, I agree. That seems like a pretty creative idea. I don't think I've seen anything similar exactly so sam levinson of euphoria fame as well as riza fahim are going to be the co-creators executive producers and the co-writers along with abel and the weekend previously provided voices for a stanley i'm working 
he's trying to get into my peanut butter. This is going to be like, this is a struggle today, y'all. Um, and the weekend previously provided voices for a 2020 robot chicken episode, which I didn't know about because I don't watch robot chicken like that. And he also wrote and starred in an American dad episode in 2020 as well. So he's kind of dabbled in television already. He has. And have you ever seen uncut gems? I've not. He plays himself in that as well, but it's obviously like a more confrontational version of himself like I think he tries to get into a fight with Adam Sandler it's been a while um so it this is a very short story that I had but I just wanted to like talk about it because I love the idea of this it gives me like for some reason it gave me very reminiscent vibes of the new Fear Street trilogy that's currently airing on Netflix right now. I don't know why those two uh, linked to me, but for some reason they kind of gave me the same vibes. Um, if anyone's listening that is interested in like Fear Street, go watch it, it's fun. And the second movie I believe comes out this weekend and it's set in the seventies instead of the nineties, like the first one, so. Big fun times. Um, I also wrote down, you'll find this interesting, that this whole plot setup for this um, show was very giving me Allison Max involvement in Nexium. That is such a cool story. It's a terrible story because, again, scary cults. But yes. if anyone is interested in kind of cult true crime, watch the vow on hbo and i think there's a stars version called seduced i've not seen stars but our or i've not seen seduced on stars but our friend claire recommended it it's so bananas yeah 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 yes (laughs) but and it's timely because allison mack was actually my cat What's my he cat doing? is, he's trying to get into the laundry room and I don't know why he's in there. The socks are not in there, sir. Anyways, it's also very timely because Allison Mack was actually just formally um, sentenced this past week to three years in prison for her role in Nexium activities. Which involved branding people, by the way. Yes. Physically branding people with a soldering iron. Physically branding people, um, overall just sex trafficking, forced labor conspiracy. Um, the formal charge was racketeering. Yeah. But I'm surprised yeah. it wasn't more than three years. I know she's no Keith Raniere, but yeah. But also, like, this this doesn't mean anything, but I was looking over her IMDb list because honestly, I knew her name, but I didn't know what from. Nothing special. She was on Smallville. I think that was her big thing, which is like the she, Superman CW show. I never yeah. watched it. That's um, like the big one that she was in. Um, I got that one confused with Heroes. I was like, oh, she was on Heroes. And then I was like, no, she wasn't Alyssa. She was on that Smallville show with that man. <laughs> you know that man. That man. <laughs> that white man. Keep her by the dozen. Oh, was she in that too? No, Tom Wellington. Oh yeah, he played the he played the son, right? Yeah, he was like the hot older son. Yeah. That was Superman and Smallville. Hell yeah, Tom Well. Ooh, wait. Weller Wellington starts with a W. No, you're right, Tom Welling. Um, oh, he's in Lucifer right now too. 
cheaper by the dozen. What was his character's name? I can't Charlie. remember. Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. And I remember think. when he opened his locker and all the corn fell out? Yes. <laughs> he didn't deserve that. But he didn't. He was being bullied. I know, just for trying to be a good older brother. My fa- One of my favorite memories of like early 2000s, like coming of age films was I'm Just a Kid by Simple Plan was in every favorite. single movie. Oh my gosh, I know. It was in like Yours, Mine, and Ours. This is in the Cheaper by the Dozen films. It was... It was in everyone. And now whenever I like think about like, oh, I'm going to write a a biopic about my life, even though it's not interesting enough for a movie. Anyways, I'm just a kid. My simple plan will be involved in the production of the movie about my life. Anyways. It's a good song. Is that all you got for us on that for the weekend's new show? Real, real short. I'm looking forward to learning more about it, but that's all I have right now. Yeah, me too. I think I'll have to give that a watch because I like that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll see. So for my final story, it's called Too Cool to Not Jewel. Hell so, yeah. Alyssa, I know the answer, but for the people at home listening, do you own a jewel? <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I don't really have any interest in nicotine. I would discourage our listeners from using nicotine as well. However, we're not here to judge. My grandfather uh, died of lung cancer, so I have no interest in the subject. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I hope I don't trigger you here. No, no, uh, no. Please go on. But in 2018, three out of every four like vape pups that were being taken were from Jules. Three out of four, so 75%. Yeah. So Jules made a big impact. And they have used bright colors and fun flavors like key lime pie and creme brulee and mango and like oh that's not gross look at look at these yucky smokers we're not like that this this tastes like mango you know it's like mango (laughs) and they had this like device it looks like a usb stick Mm -hmm. like it doesn't it's not a cigarette it doesn't look anything like a cigarette it just looks like a usb stick and with this device and with their fun colored pods and fun flavors and using local teens in their advertising, they really like got all, not all, but like a lot of teenagers in this country addicted. There's very much a vaping epidemic in this country and Jules marketing and kind of aggressive tactics have a lot to do with it. I mean, for crying out loud, they advertise on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. Oh my God, do they really? They used to. They're not allowed to anymore. But holy um, balls! Yeah, and they use thousands of influencers to kind of market. So they use kind of that cool kid factor. So, it, like I said, it causes big vape epidemic. And right now, one in five high schoolers in this country are addicted to vaping. So twenty percent. Um, and this is based on a twenty twenty CDC report from September. Um, so maybe updated data coming soon. But that's the latest that we have right now. And right now, thirty nine states out of 50, and the FDA are suing Jewel for getting kids addicted to nicotine, which with good reason, to be honest. Um, good. With, yeah, with their aggressive marketing tactics and just the sheer size of the addicted teen base, you know, I, I, I think they deserve to be sued personally. Um, Agreed. And as of 628 of this year, Jewel has reached a settlement for $40 million with the state of North Carolina for their practices that they just did with all their marketing and what they did to get teens addicted. Um, And they've had to kind of agree to some stipulations in addition to paying out the $40 million settlement. 
Um, they have promised not to use models under the age of 35, which is a good thing. They don't want to have, because obviously we were there once, but the teen brain is very susceptible and very likely to give in to not only peer pressure, but any sort of media pressure. And if you have other teenagers in the media smoking jewels and puffing on those, you're going to see teenagers attempting purchase jewels. And obviously that creates a very vicious cycle of vaping. And that's what happened. So if you have older models, hopefully that'll discourage teens who are not already addicted from getting into jewels. Um, and Jewel has also agreed to pay 1,000 mystery teens to wander into convenience stores in North Carolina and like see if they're able to buy a jewel or not, because a lot of them are suspecting that like it's so easy to buy a jewel if you're underage so places need to obviously be stricter when checking id and making sure that if you're under 18 you cannot buy a nicotine product so they basically have to do this sort of i guess test run with these teenagers to see if that is part of the problem or not or if teens are getting them from like older siblings or something like that um that kind of sounds like that thing that our friend did when she went to like a music festival and she like signed up and she would go around to like vendors and be like, hey, can I have like an alcoholic beverage? And if they did or did not ask for their ID, mm -hmm. that's what it kind of yeah. sounds like. It's kind of just like that. It's a way to screen for rules being followed. Yeah. And kind of doing it inconspicuously. So but yeah, so they, they have to do that. And they're also going to partner with a third party age verifier to make sure that kids under 18 can't buy jewels online. So that kind of, if you are not able to buy one in person, this will hopefully prevent teens from purchasing them online as well. So, but here's the issue. So 40 million, does that sound like a lot of money? No. Yeah, that's right for a company of this size. So the problem mm -hmm. is like, even if every state demanded that Jewel pay around $40 million in a settlement, that only adds up to about $2 billion. And Jewel can easily afford that because in 2018, they sold off 35% of their business to a company called Altria for 12.8 billion. So not exactly a drop in the bucket, but like not, it would not wreck Jewel by any means to pay off 2 billion in settlements for getting teens addicted to vaping. Um, Altria, if you're not familiar with the name, it's one of the world's biggest producers of tobacco, cigarettes, and related products. They make Marlboro cigarettes. Um, and it used to be known as Philip Morris, but it was rebranded in 2003. And they used to have other brands such as Kraft Foods that they spun off a few years ago to kind of focus on the tobacco business. Um, you said Philip Morris? Yeah. The Philip like Morris. that movie? I guess. Interesting. There's a movie that came out like 10 years ago called I Love You, Philip Morris. It's about like this real life con man. Anyways, Jim Carrey's in it. It's fun. Interesting. Okay. Um, but this is a great purchase for Altria because Jewel has almost 50% of the vape market already. So they're getting access to all that. And the people who are currently in the vape market are addicted to vaping because it's an addictive activity. Yeah, you know. And nicotine is too. Um, and right now, Altria is actually being investigated for an antitrust practice because it was initially trying to develop its own e-cigarette business. So over time, as we've seen in the 60s, like if you've ever seen Mad Men or any other show set in that era, people used to smoke cigarettes all the time, like chimneys, like people could smoke indoors. It was not an issue. It was just left and right, puffing, puffing. Everybody did it. 
The first episode of Mad Men's about a cigarette ad. It is, indeed. And as time went on, as more data came out, people start to realize how harmful cigarettes were for the health. And Altria kind of realized this and they're like, ooh, we got to pivot here because our cigarette sales are going to decline. Obviously, if you're addicted and you're not trying to quit or if you're unable to quit, they're still going to have those sales. But you're probably not going to have as many people just being like, oh, you know, I should try a Marlboro Light today because they're going to read the data, hopefully, and be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. This is bad for me. So they initially were trying to generate new forms of smoking without smoking. (laughs) And Altria had originally tried to make like an e-cigarette. It looked like the exact same as a normal cigarette. It would light up and it was like a skinny little device and you could just kind of inhale the vapor that way. Um, But it did terrible with it. Like it didn't sell very well at all. It had multiple failures kind of creating these types of alternatives. So instead of deciding to continue to try and make their own product, they just said, hey, Jules already got this. Let's just buy some of it. So that's what they did. They bought a 35% stake. Makes sense. And it is a smart business move. But now because Altria is already so big in the tobacco and nicotine market, they're being investigated for antitrust practices. So that's what I've got for that story. It's really unfortunate that this is kind of, it's a, it's very similar in my opinion to like the Oxycontin epidemic um, where yes, the company's going to be punished. Joel's going to be punished for getting people addicted, but it really isn't going to be that it's not going to be the end of Jewel for sure. They were, they will still be able to operate. They will still have more money than they probably know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's unfortunate because it's at the expense of the health of a lot of teenagers and people who are not teenagers who are also potentially addicted to vaping. So yeah, um, a little bit of a sad story to kind of end on. Um, we on this podcast certainly discourage you from vaping. It doesn't matter if it looks cool. What looks cool is not having major health problems online. Just say no, kids. Just say also, no. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, and I'm not going to use names because obviously privacy, but I had a friend slash coworker that I knew in college and she would literally bring her jewel to work and charge it at work. Yeah. And I was like, baby, like, do you really need it that bad? And she was like, yes. And I, I like, obviously, once again, do what you want with your life. But it just always kind of, I was like, wow, you know? Yeah, there's always, yeah, I don't think I realized in college how addictive people found them also. Because you would see people like out and about you know, mm. at the bars, like puffing on them or whatever. And I guess I always just assumed it was sort of like a party type mm. of drug, but no, oh. I mean, I have a coworker who has to like step out of the office sometimes to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's serious. Um, and again, there are plenty of unhealthy habits that people can pick up, but this is a particularly serious one. Also people are garbage and they leave those little jewel pod things out on the street. Like I can't count how many times I was like walking to and from campus while in college and saw so many of those little jewel pods like out just on the street. Like, come on people. If you're going to do this nasty habit, at least clean up after yourself. Yeah. Find a trash can. There's, there's not a lot of excuse for that. 
also you said uh bad habits and it made me think of the new like ed sheeran song thank you for that rendition of ed sheeran Alyssa. you're welcome all right you got anything else for us this week before we wrap this up I wanted to start this little thing uh, to leave you guys on. Um, Annabelle, you can participate in it if you will. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you about it up until just now. But this is a very common word and phrase that people have used in the past. But I'm going to create a smile file, which is just something that made me happy in this past week going into this next week. Um, so to keep that energy going and manifest it into the future. Um, I had a really rough week last week, guys. I'm not going to get into all the details because I don't want to bum you guys out. But in my sadness, I went back and uh, started rewatching Bob's Burgers, which Annabelle knows is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's my comfort show. It's what I go to whenever I'm feeling sad. And through this process, I also... Um, have compiled my favorite episode from each season and I'm not going to list them right now because that's like 11 ish episodes but if you're interested in knowing about them I may do like a little Instagram uh, video for you like a reel if you want so I can give you all my down my download other than that um, BTS's new single comes out at the end of this week and they released the teaser of it this morning and they are in the desert and they're dressed in all denim, looking like some beautiful cowboys. And I had feelings. Oh, so you're here for it. All right. Oh, you know how I feel about denim. So. Yeah, I do know. Um, I don't have a smile file story, but I don't know if this is enough to do a whole story on. I might talk about this in the next episode, but today is officially CEO entrepreneur born in 1964, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. Today is his last day as Amazon CEO. He's going to, to space. Yeah. <laughs> to space. Um, so on to better things for him <laughs> with his <laughs> with his space company. But um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the new CEO does. He's apparently a lot less about amassing power. Money? Well, I mean, I think being Amazon CEO, you're going to be wealthy, but, um, you know, he's, he's supposedly a little bit less about power and a little bit more about like management. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see if there are any major changes coming at Amazon, but we will keep you guys posted. What was that little song you sang at the beginning? Oh, that's right. You're not on TikTok, so you don't know, but there's popular TikTok song right now about Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos that people like to use and if there was ever a time to use it it is now on his last day as CEO so look it up it's it's a fun little TikTok song I'm uh, so sorry I'm not on Twitter or I'm not on TikTok if anyone wants to follow me for quality content you can catch me at that rad witch on Twitter though because I got some I got feelings on a daily basis on Twitter but Thank you. not on the TikTok train I caved I had to join but I refused. So <laughs> I have a YouTube channel. So like, that's enough for me. I can't have both. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of woe is media this week. We will be back next week with more stories. Hopefully everyone has a great week and thank you very much. Yay.